Welcome to this episode of Blended, Blessed, and Always a Mess. I'm Eric. And I'm Angie. We are married with a ton of kids. We have six kids total. He has three, and I have three. My name's Hallie, and I love riding horses. I'm Lexi, and I love agriculture. My name's Carter, and I love eating. My name's Chase, and I love lifting weights. My name's Summer, and I love spending my parents' money. I'm Dane, and I love baseball. Our show is about our blended, blessed, and always a mess life. And our hope is if you find yourself in the same situation we are in, that by sharing our story, all the fun, and all the mess, the challenges we are experiencing, it will give you some inspirations, laughs, and community, knowing you are not alone in this mess. We appreciate you spending time with us. Let's dive in. Our guest today is Heather Petty. Uh, Heather's a perfectly imperfect wife of 27 years to David, mom to four amazing humans, ages 11 to 25, and lover of Jesus. She's a closet peanut M&M and goldfish cracker consumer. Heather's passionate about encouraging women to find joy and remain sane while parenting teens. The laughter and support happens weekly on her podcast life coach BFF show. When not podcasting or curating for Club BFF Mastermind, a membership for Christian moms of teens, she's coaching moms to live confidently, set clear boundaries, and learn to build their fire in the rain. Heather is also the author of Keep It Simple, Sarah, Powerful Words and Encouragement for Teen Girls. Heather has made appearances on CNN, Headline News, and other media. She believes that life is a long line of lessons, and in her opinion, it's all about faith and good old common sense. She happily resides with her family in Memphis, Tennessee. So today, uh, Heather is joining us. Actually, this is kind of neat because Angie was recently on one of Heather's podcasts, and now she is returning the favor for us. And I'm super interested to learn all about the things that you talk about, uh, Heather, because, you know... Having kids and trying to grow up in a Christian home and get them to talk, those are super big challenges for everyone. And that's, you know, that's why we started the podcast was about our blended family and how to how to connect better with your children and bring them up in faith. And obviously our podcast is kind of taking a turn with more tragedy recently and grief, mm-hmm. but everything that we've always talked about with blending a family and trying to get through to your kids still applies. And so we're, we're thrilled to have you uh, on the podcast today and, and appreciate your time. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so I'm so happy to be on your show, Eric and Angie. Thank you. Well, we're BFFs. And we're BFFs. That's exactly <laughs> right. So this is how it should be. That's right. That's right. Angie meets people and they immediately like her. I will give you an example. Two doctors in town that I have seen for years. She goes to them one time and immediately they give her their cell phones and she's like texting back and forth with these doctors. I'm like, how do you have, I've gone there for years. I don't know. I guess, all of a sudden, well, yeah, I am. You build these instant relationship connections with people. And I thought I was good at it. I'm not as good as, as Angie is at it, obviously. So I'll see if we can be besties by the end of this, Heather. How about that? Okay. Good luck, Eric. I don't know if we'll be as tight as I am with Angie. I, I can't promise right. that. That's right. Because <laughs> we're like this. So yeah. good luck. Yeah. That took you guys no time. I'm impressed. So one of the things you're going to talk about today is you talk about all the time, how to build your fire in the rain. And I love that topic. But what, what does it mean to you and how did that start? Well, Eric, about, well, almost seven years ago, my family moved four hours away from our family and friends. And I mean, it it was a hard time. I mean, it was, I really struggled during that time. We had a four-year-old, a six-year-old, let me think, a six-year-old, 15-year-old, 
and a 19-year-old. So we moved with two teenagers. So can you imagine? (laughs) Changing their lives. Oh, my goodness. And like I said, we didn't know anyone. It was just I was very, very, very lonely. And I began to listen to a podcast. I'd never heard a podcast before. And so I got on Apple iTunes and I found this artwork of this lady. She looked pleasant, like a nice smile. (laughs) And her name is Dana White. That's how I chose the podcast that I listened to. It's so funny. funny. And she podcast as a slob comes clean. And that is not my issue. Yes. That's not my issue, but I started listening to her and Dana became like a best friend. She was the friend that I needed at the time. And I would listen to her as I unpacked boxes or, you know, driving home from school drop off, even at night when I couldn't sleep, you know, those nights when you're just, you're just sad and you can't go to sleep. And I would put my earbuds in and her voice became very familiar and soothing to me. And I quickly decided that I wanted to be the same person to someone else that Dana had been to me, because I knew if I was struggling like that, that there had to be a lot of other moms out there who were dealing with the same issues in in a similar situation. So... I when I when I think of building my fire in the rain, the rain, Eric, it's, you know, we all have these times in our lives where, you know, sometimes it's a thunderstorm. Sometimes it is lightning all around you. You know, if you've ever been in the car and you're trying to drive and it's raining so hard, you can't see. You know, we all have these struggles and these issues. And sometimes, you know, they'll my issue may not seem as big as your issue and your issue may not be as big as seem as big as someone else's. But if you are struggling and you're sad, it's real. That's a real issue. It's just a real, really a hard time. And so, you know, maybe it's sprinkling, maybe it's thunderstorming. But regardless, I found during that time, you have to reach for that umbrella. And and what is that umbrella? That is God's love. That's his protection. Mm -hmm. That's his hope for you. And for me, building my fire during that time, that was starting that podcast, even though, you know, for me, I was experiencing a thunderstorm. But, you know, I had to open that umbrella and I had to start building the fire and the fire is serving others. It's taking that pain that you have to help other people and truly find your purpose. Your pain is your purpose. And so that um, that's yeah, that's building my fire in the rain. I got to tell you, there is a name for for you being a friend to somebody else through the podcast, like for you to find that comfort. Right. I remember I was in college 20 plus years ago at Mizzou and then a name for it. it was the Oprah effect because people would listen to Oprah and they would feel like uh-huh. she was their friend, even though they had never met her. And so that was the relationship that you built with that lady that you were listening to or her podcast. And that's what you're becoming to other people, too. You guys all have the Oprah effect. Look at it. Yeah, I, gosh, everything you just said totally resonates with me. I mean, I feel like we're in a tsunami, actually. So it's like, you know, you just, you literally cannot see in front of you, but you just, to your point, you find the umbrella, it might be flipped up, you know, whatever. Yeah, the wind's blowing the wind, yeah, the sides up. Not actually working totally, but you try to find some sort of safety. 
It's funny to use the word fire because several years ago, I came up with an acronym for fire and I use it all the time. And it's more, it was more geared towards women because I do feel like women are completely powerful. We don't even realize how powerful we are, but it's fierce, independent, resilient, and empowered. And I just think that so many times when we are feeling sad, right? We have to remind ourselves that we actually are are pretty fierce, even, even in the face of a storm, that we're pretty fierce and, and resilient, right? Like you go through all Absolutely. the struggles and you pull yourself out of it somehow, one way or another, pull yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to decide, are you going to choose to sit in the darkness indefinitely and cry? Or will you build your fire and give light and warmth to other people. And so that's a decision that a conscious decision that you have to make every day. I had a friend say to me just this week, he had just talked to his pastor on Sunday. He was going through a rough day. And to what you were just saying about you get to decide. And the pastor said to him, you know, you can have a hardened heart, but a hardened heart will change no one ever. But it will make your life harder and make it so that you can't shine your light for other people. And in those moments of darkness and truth, people need to see light, right? I mean, that's when people need to see light. It's when it's dark and it's hard. And so that's what you started to do in your life. And I assume that it was a not always the easiest of seasons, right? So you've moved four hours away from where you're used to being. You have four kids right. in different stages of life. No friends, probably. What was None. that process <laughs> like for you to start building your fire? It was... It was very lonely, like I said. And, you know, when you're alone, fear sometimes can take over. And so fear stands for two things. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yes. And so I had to learn to face everything and rise because running is it's just not an option for me. Running is never going to be an option for me. And that's, I just had to get out there, Eric. I mean, I had to, I had to do the hard things. And that's what I say on my podcast. You know, we can, I'm your BFF and we can do hard things because we all need a BFF. We need community. And that was my first time as a mom to ever have to parent without my mommy tribe. And you know who your mommy tribe is. Oh, yes, for sure. Yes. How did you how did you get through maybe share some of those parenting struggles because you had all ages. Right. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that we struggle with is, you know, especially that teen age. Right. And they don't want to talk and you know that they're struggling, you know, that they're sad. Like, how do you how do you navigate that? And did your kids like my kiddos, a lot of times I'll be like, what's, what's wrong? You know, and nothing, uh-huh. nothing. fine. <laughs> yeah, no. nothing. You're like, that's crap. I know, I know something's bothering you. So how you do you says, I grew you in my belly. I know something's wrong. Like, yes, yes. And they get, they get quiet. That's what they do usually, or they're outburst about something that's totally unrelated to the situation mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. And so I think, We really, as moms and dads, Eric, we have to be patient. We have to be very patient because teens, and a lot of people don't realize this, but from around the age of 11 until around 25, and I mean, I use those ages loosely, but 
there's some changes that take place. It's like their brain is being remodeled. And what happens is the prefrontal cortex takes a break. I mean, it goes on vacation for these (laughs) number of years, which is terrifying. It's terrifying because this is the part of the brain that's responsible for critical thinking. This part of your brain reads facial expressions. I know that our oldest daughter, she would come to me sometimes and say, are you mad? Are you mad at me? Because they can't read your facial expressions. And so they automatically assume that you're mad. And so, yeah, yes, yes. And so um, problem solving, the prefrontal cortex is responsible for problem solving and analyzing risk. So that's why so many teenagers take such great risk during this time. But what happens then, okay, we've got the prefrontal cortex who is on vacation, but (laughs) guess who takes over? The amygdala takes over. And the amygdala is the part of your brain that's impulsive. They love risk-taking. They thrive on risk-taking and intense emotion. So when you're having a conversation, let's say you're upset with your teen. And I mean, I had this happen to me just yesterday with my 13-year-old. And so don't you love that I talk about my children? (laughs) Oh, I hope they don't ever listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mine, I'm sure, love it every day. But what happens is the more upset you get and the more emotion that you show during these conversations, see their brain, it starts going ding, 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 ding. The amygdala loves it. And it starts sending out all these endorphins, like feel good endorphins to them. And so, you know, that's why you'll say, stop arguing with me. And they're like, why, 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 why? (laughs) You just immediately match your level. Yeah. Yes. And so I've, I've learned to have a poker face, you know, if that when they say ugly things, which they all do at times, they're going to say ugly things to you. I've learned just to not respond. Just (laughs) that is is incredible self-control on your part, Heather. That's incredible (laughs) self-control. Oh, it's very, you know, because you want to say we're human and you want to say something ugly back, but you have to remind yourself and be patient again that, you know, it's not really them. It's the amygdala that's just (laughs) making these crazy because the amygdala wants to be in charge. So that's why your teenager, they want to be in charge. I'm going to ask, I love the patience aspect of things. Uh, I see why the two of you get along so well. What is your husband's parenting style? That's my question. Where is he? What's that question? You know, it varies because we laugh and we just say that, you know, our our parenting style is custom fit according to the child. We try to do that. Yeah, it changes minute by minute, you know, gentle parenting here, you know, and then it just can inflate. And so my husband, I have to remind him just like yesterday with this conversation with our son, I'm like, whoa, just remember, you know, remember the more you react, the happier his brain is. So just take a deep breath. (laughs) Yes, it's not easy. It's not easy. No, no. So, all right, you're rebuilding a life in a in a new new area. In that process, I would have to assume anytime we face, you know, the fear and we decide that we're going to rise, that is a challenge that usually means growth even. I mean, do you feel like at that point in your life, big area of growth? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because this is the thing, Eric, when everything is perfect in your life, the sun is shining, you know, you're at your perfect weight. You're getting along with your spouse. You know, your kids are bringing home these A's and you're not getting phone calls from the school. You know, those are the times that we're like, I've got this. I am in control. Look at me go. I mean, I saw where a mom posted the other day. Her daughter had gotten into this fabulous school and she said on Facebook, this is the result of great parenting. Now, here, here, here we go. So, you know, we feel like when things are good that we've, we've got it, you know. And so if things are good all the time, we don't need God. We don't have to rely on him. And so these things are going to come into our lives. These thunderstorms, these, you know, drizzling rain, these things are going to happen because guess what? You know, we were put on this earth to glorify him. I'm definitely trying to remind myself on a more regular basis now that when things are good, like I had a good uh-huh. good week at work this week, to give God thanks for that. Like me closing a sale, yes. is, and that's not me, right? That's God right. allowing my team to perform in different ways. And so I'm trying to, in my 40s now, realize I need to thank God a lot more when it's good instead of just when it's bad and we're on our knees going, God, please help me now. Right. Because that's the mm-hmm. tendency that we all fall into. Right. Is we we sure pray yes. a lot when it's hard, but we forget to pray during the good stuff. I think we're human. We're human. I mean, that's that's how God created us. And that's how we're you know, we're not perfect. I'm not, I mean, at least I'm not. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I told somebody the other day, Jesus is the only perfect man. Yeah. And unfortunately, the rest of us are living in this sinful world and it makes it awful hard some days. I, I think yes. the hardest thing when you are in the storm is, and, and this is probably more for me, but like I, I used to really strive for that perfection. Like I thought it was attainable. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how many people, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, maybe I realized it later in life and people realize it way earlier than me, but man, for a long time, I was chasing this like perfect life. If I just did things right, if I, you know, if I parented right, my kids would be super successful or whatever that looks like. And I think in the depths of all the darkness, right, you realize, oh my gosh, that's not even a thing. Perfection is not a thing. And to your point, we are here on this journey and it's hard and no one, no one gets to just escape the hard, hard reality of life. Like, we all have the same end destination, right? And it's like how, I think it's how you show up for others, how you help other people is what matters, not the strive for perfection. And I don't, I don't know if that's a huge challenge with our kiddos with social media, because you can't like that post, right? You look at it and go, oh gosh, well, my kid's not getting into that school. So am I, right. I do something wrong as a parent? So I think the comparison is is a is a challenge. It is, Angie. And I mean, comparison is a thief. It will rob you of joy every single time. Perfection doesn't exist. It's such a lie. And so I'm I really try hard to teach my kids, you know, don't worry about being perfect. We want you to do your best. But I mean perfect just it just doesn't, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. 
It's just not. And, and I, I mean, no matter how hard I try, no matter how many times I organize the drawers, you know, <laughs> rearrange the pantry, you know, it's just there's always another ball that's dropping somewhere. Well, that's true. And there's all of these things that we want to do in life. And then sometimes things just happen in life. And for us, yeah. you know, everything that we're currently going through just kind of happened. And that's making us reprioritize how we parent, how we do a lot of things, what we want to do with our lives, right? And so I guess for you, did you always want to write a book? Or did you decide going through all of your trials and uh, of moving and, and rebuilding that you were going to build a book? What, what was that process like for you that kind of led to that? Eric, I used to joke around and laugh with a friend and say, oh, you know how we all do that? We go, we should write a book. This would be so funny in a book, you know. But one day a friend came by to pick up her son who was playing with one of our kids. And I said to her, I made the statement, I said, I'm just a small town girl looking for community in a big city. And she said, and we don't know each other that well, but she said, you know what? You need to write a book and you need to put that line in your book. That should be in your book. You need to do this. And at the time, it was this was over the summer and I was exhausted. I mean, you know, Angie, I'm oh, running yeah. these kids around trying to entertain. And I had been very sick with a respiratory infection. So I got into bed. Well, backtrack. That afternoon, she sent me flowers. And on the card, Aww. it said, this big city needs more s- small town people like you. How and I just cried. Oh. oh, my goodness. I just cried. I mean, I did. I just started bawling, crying. So that night, I got into the bathtub and I prayed. And I just said, because i that's the time when I really hunker down with my prayer. Like the it's water's quiet. heating up for the shower. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. That's right, Angie. And so I got into the bathtub and I just prayed and I said, Lord, if you want me to write a book, you are going to have to do this. I can't do this. I'm exhausted from the summer schedule and you're going to have to do this. And y'all, my brain, he immediately flooded my brain with all these ideas. Mm. So I got out of the bathtub and I filled up my entire desk with sticky notes and those are the pages in my book. Wow. And so I want to show you. Bit. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your book. Keep it simple, Sarah. Okay. okay. It's Keep It Simple, Sarah, Powerful Words and Inspiration for Christian Teen Girls. And so my book is full. I'm really big on generational wisdom and passing down generational wisdom. I think it's so important. People are not spending time on this enough now. They're not doing what our grandparents did for us. And so this book is full of your grandmother's nuggets along with modern day advice. I love it. And it's faith inspired and it's designed to encourage and empower for you to let go of your worldly expectations and live boldly and freely. But I want you to see this page, Angie, and because I thought of you in our conversation that we had the other day. Okay, and this page, each one, each page has a graphic design and a powerful message. And this says, never let anyone separate you from the ones you love. Oh, yes. I love that. Red flag. Red flag. Red Red flag. Red flag. Indeed. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, this 
uh, just simple, simple messages like respect your elders. I mean, that's something that you don't find now. Um, shower and get dressed every day. Always look your best. You'll never brush your have teeth. Get- brush your teeth. Yes, brush your <laughs> teeth and put your deodorant on. <laughs> and I love this. This is one of my favorite pages right here. If you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. That's Maya Angelou's oh. quote. If your goal is to be like everyone else and blend in with the crowd, then we will never know the real you. The world mm. will be deprived of your uniqueness, and that would be just plain sad. Besides, constantly trying to fit in with the crowd is exhausting. Direct that energy towards sharing your gifts so we can all benefit from knowing the authentic version of you. I love that. So is it also a journal? Do they just flip through the pages? Can they write? in it? Yes. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad you pointed that out, Angie, because I have moms who are and daughters who are writing messages back and forth to one another and journaling in this book. Yes. So I'm proud of this. Yes. That's super cool. What's the age range do you recommend for your book? It says teens, but I mean, I have women who our grandmothers who are buying this for themselves. Yes, I have. Well, if you miss out on the knowledge, if people aren't teaching it to you, then it doesn't matter the age, right? You still need to be aware. Right. And so, yeah, it's been, it's, it was a bestseller on Amazon and CNN headline news endorsed the book, Susan Hendricks. So it's, it's been, I, I just hope the message will will get out to as many girls as possible. I love it. I love it. So what are some of the other books then that have changed your life that you've loved to read over the years? Of course, the Bible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's <laughs> number one. Been, I, I that's just, number one, Eric. <laughs> I will say this, and I was sharing this with my men's group yesterday. We had Bible study and it's right now we're studying first Peter and, you know, talking about the first chapters, talking about suffering and going through the fire and the trial. And Angie and I were, well, when she was on your podcast, we were in Florida at a little retreat and I had taken my Bible with me and I read quite a bit that week. And I felt like passages I had read 25 times before, right? were finally making sense because of the current tragedy that we're living through. Mm -hmm. It was like now things I've read my whole life in this Bible are starting to really resonate in my heart and show me what God's been trying to tell me for so long. And I think that's why the Bible is so important. I think people don't understand. I don't think our kids understand at all. It's just this book that we go to church and we have to hear about, but it's really full of beautiful stories and life lessons like your book is, Keep It Simple, Sarah. It's got life lessons in the Bible, but it's okay that sometimes you can get to be in your 40s before some of it starts to make sense. Oh, absolutely. And when I was going through that time of just moving and transition, I focused, Eric, on Joshua 1.9. And I, like you've mentioned, I had heard this Bible verse countless times, probably hundreds of times. I went to Catholic school. I mean, I'm very familiar with many verses in the Bible, but Joshua 1.9 is, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I posted this verse all over my house. I posted it on the children's mirrors because, I mean, they were being faced with 
you know, difficult situations, new new people, new schools, new activities. I mean, everything was new, but I just tried to remind myself, I was like, okay, God is with me wherever I go. And that is so comforting. I have not been into Bible verses, if I'm just going to be honest, because I did not grow up that way. Right, right. um, In the last three or four months, I have, they just keep popping up. And, And then to Eric's point, to your point, like you, they resonate all of a sudden where they maybe never have. And we've talked about this before on our podcast, but on Christmas day, the lowest of lows, after we lost Hallie, I end up finding this letter that she wrote to herself in eighth grade. They do it in, through their school. They write a letter to themselves in eighth grade and they read it when they're a senior. And I found this letter. And at the very end of her letter, she had a John thirteen seven quote that says, you do not understand what I am doing, but one day you will. Wow. But I think about mm. that all the time because in life, we don't always know the path. We hardly ever do. And our kids too, I think, struggle with that too, of that unknown. I cling to certainty. Like I want certainty and it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. And that's so yeah. hard as a parent too, to explain that to your kiddos. You know, they get disappointment. Maybe they didn't get selected for the team or, you know, a friend's not there for them one day, whatever they're struggling with. And it's like, you have to trust God. You don't know the path. One day we'll understand. Same for, mm-hmm. for you, like even moving and it being a complete upheaval of what you knew. Yeah. But then look at all the amazing things that you've been able to do through that. And I think just across the board, we have to keep reminding people of that. We don't, we don't we know. Have, we have to. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're you, good. You're good. You're exactly right. We don't know the path. And I, I had to learn to Angie during that time. I mean, I would physically hold out my hands because there were things that I just thought I can't carry this on my own. I mean, I cannot do it. And I literally would close my eyes and I still do it. I would close my eyes, hold my hands out. And I would just say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I cannot carry this. It's yours. You're going to do with it what you want to, but I can't do this. And that was a game changer for me. Like I just, I just said, I'm not even going to try to carry this. I can't, I mean, I can't do it. It's too heavy. I wish I would have learned that a long time ago. Honestly, I'm learning it now, but I wish I would have learned that a long time ago to sort of let go of it. Like I'm not in control. We uh, we talked earlier and, and you talked about how our teenagers, their brains are developing differently and that makes things interesting and can be challenging at times when trying to communicate. And I just kind of want to go back to that a little bit about when you're trying to communicate with your teenagers and they don't want to talk or you're having to be patient, what are different ways that you have weaved your faith into those conversations to maybe get them to open up or have you? Well, Eric, that's one of the reasons that I wrote this book. It's for my children as well, because I found that, you know, a lot of times they'll act like they're not listening to you, but they are. They are listening. They're hearing what you're saying. But if they see it in writing, huge. Huge. And so in conversation, when I when I can tell that they're tuning me out, I'll just write it down, tape it up on the refrigerator right above the ice maker. And it's so funny because y'all, they won't even, they won't point it out. They won't say a word about it, but I know that it's sinking in. And so that's my number one way. I mean, I put it in print. I put everything in print. <laughs> 
I do. Uh, Like if you can't hear me, you can see it. (laughs) That's fantastic. We're going to need a lot more paper and pens around this place. Sticky notes everywhere. Yes. For sure. So are you writing any more books or what are you working on right now? I'm working on a book for teen boys right now because they need wisdom too. (laughs) So that's, that's my big project. You know, I was just visiting with a counselor this week who said as a teenage boy, unfortunately for moms, nine times out of 10, that teenage boy wants a connection with their father. That's typically what her research has shown. Like, you know, you've been this great mom to them and you've taken care of them, but they're going to be a teenager and they want a connection with their dad. And so I don't know if you see that in your home with your husband and your kids, uh, but that's just what she was sharing with me this week. Yeah, I do see that, Eric. I see that a lot. And for dads, and I'll remind my husband, because when these boys start looking like grown men, Dads are not as likely to throw their arms around them and squeeze them tight and, you know, pat them on the back and, you know, just love on them. And so I'll remind my husband, I'm like, he needs a hug. He needs a hug. And I'll tell my son too. you know, he'll give me a hug and I'll go, you know what? Your dad wants a hug, too, because I think it's important to maintain Mm -hmm. that physical contact. Hugs are powerful. They are powerful. And, you know, we release endorphins when we hug. They make us feel good. And so, yeah, hugs are important. That's awesome. I love that. I do. I agree with you 100 percent that uh, I'm a good hugger. All right. And <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things where it does. It makes you feel good. Hugging is a great thing. And for our sons, the older they get and they start to get like facial hair and yeah. and they start to smell more. <laughs> right. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be showing them the same kind of love and affection that we would our daughters because they they right. have to grow up and learn how to be a strong father for their wife and their kids someday and all of those things. And that starts starts with a man. And, and sometimes I I'm afraid we we forget that as dads to to put that hard work in. Yeah, they they start. We rely on the mom. Then. We're like, oh, mom's got this. You know when why? Really we shouldn't because we're fire. Women we are, are fire. fire. Fire in your belly, Angie. Right. You have fire in your belly. Yes. You do. Completely agree. Well, yeah. we we are just about over on time. I know it doesn't seem like it because the conversation flows so easily. I know Heather and I could talk forever. I know that day that, that she was with you, I was down on the beach waiting for her. She didn't come back forever. I was like, they must just be talk, talk, talking because she has not come back. Um, we always ask all of our guests, what is your favorite family tradition? Okay. Favorite family tradition. I have to tell you that we are not rigid when it comes to traditions. You know how there's some families that if grandma's hot apple pie is not served on Thanksgiving, then it's a disaster. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know people like this. You know, if we don't play three games of Uno Christmas Eve, then it wasn't, you know, we're we're just, we're not like that. I mean, but we, we have two big, what I consider our traditions. We are always flexible. So what, you know, whatever your situation is, we have older children now, one has a spouse who also, you know, so she has in-laws, she needs to spend time with them. You know, we have a daughter who has a boyfriend, she wants to go to family events, and we want to be flexible. We're not ever going to say, you know what, it's Christmas Eve, and if you're not here at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. for dinner, then the world is going to end. So that's one tradition, just be flexible, you don't know what's going to happen, what you're going to want to do. You may want to go out to eat one year for Christmas Eve, and that's okay. 
So being flexible and being inclusive, not just with having family, but whoever needs a place to go. We've always been extremely inclusive. I love that. That's maybe our best traditions that we've heard so far. That's really good. Yeah. We can relate to the flexible with the blended family yeah, and the right. families you're trying. It's like we typically do not have traditions because of that. Because you just never know. In fact, this past year we were looking at, we were usually Christmas Eve type people, but it was like, we're going to have to move our Christmas out a different time right. so that we can make sure everybody makes it. And who cares? As long as you're with your family and you get to celebrate together at some point, yeah. the actual day doesn't matter, right? Like, doesn't we, matter. Yeah, you're not in control. Just got to be flexible. I love that. Well, I can't wait to see a copy of this book because I do just a few pages that you shared. Uh, I love uh, the messaging behind it. Um, and I love uh, the entire thought process behind building your fire in the rain, doing it through a faith-based message because, you know, we can't, we, as as we've kind of, you know, talked about a little bit today, we can do nothing without Christ, right? We just can't. Right. Otherwise... It's a that, that darkness creeps in when you don't have Jesus active in your life, right? That's exactly right. And Eric, I, I want to say this before we go. He always positions us exactly where he needs us. And sometimes it's painful. That's what I've learned. You know, it's not it's not always pleasant, but we're positioned where he needs us and where we can serve others and glorify him. So love it. Well, Heather, where thanks for the time. And where where can our listeners find you? They can always find me on Instagram at Life Coach BFF, Facebook at Life Coach BFF, and then I podcast over on the Life Coach BFF show. So those are the places that I am the most prevalent. <laughs> and then you can go to Amazon and pick up Keep It Simple Sarah, which I hope that you will do as well. I'm going to shut the recording off, but you ladies can talk for as long as you want to. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. And Heather, thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening this week. Have a wonderful week and God bless. Thank you for listening to Blended Blessed and Always a Mess. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at blendedblessedalwaysamess.com. Reach out to us on any of our social channels. We would love to hear from you. Have a great week.